This morning we're going to be talking about Jesus being our refuge in the storms of life. If you have your Bible here this morning, why don't you turn to Psalm 46. I'll be teaching out of the New Living Translation. These are powerful words here from God. Starting with verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. Come see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of yourself. Just recognizing that I'm a sinful man and in my own strength and in my own performance, I'm not qualified to be in right standing with you. But because of what you've done, Jesus, you give us the righteousness that's necessary. So we thank you. We thank you that in you we can find rest. We can find refuge, peace, and wholeness, God. You knew that these lives would be difficult, and so you provided us yourself as a refuge from the difficulty. Help us see and realize that this morning. Anoint me, God, to faithfully communicate your truths and what you want to say to your people. Anoint my brothers and my sisters here to receive and take in only what you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 46 is a very familiar text. It's a very comforting text. And for the believer, it's a very welcome truth. God is our refuge and our strength. We were just singing that to the top of our lungs, and it brought a lot of us great joy. Refuge being a space or a place where we go to find rest, peace, solitude, and safety. To leave a place or a space or a situation where peace, rest, solitude, and safety isn't taking place. A lot of you guys here this morning, you guys can say, hey, my home, my home is a refuge to me. And I've been to a lot of your homes, and man, that is true. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that that's true. It makes me want to move in sometimes, you know. But some of you... Mostly the young parents with young children in here, home, home may be not that place right now. 
And I've been to a lot of your homes, and I'm with you in that struggle. For some of you busy moms, massage envy might be that place of refuge for you right now. For some of you guys, maybe it's Starbucks by yourself in another city where no one knows who the heck you are. That might be the place of refuge for you. But the idea of refuge is leaving a place that isn't peaceful, restful, or a place of solace or safety and going to a place that is. That's the idea of refuge. In the Old Testament, there was this provision that God gave called cities of refuge. So when the Israelites took over the promised land, the the promised land of Canaan, um, he provided and said, hey, 48 cities are going to be given to the tribe of Levi. Because the Levitical priests, they, they weren't going to inherit a land. They were inheriting God as, they were, as their portion. And they were going to be given 48 cities to live in. Six of those cities were going to be set apart to be called cities of refuge. They were going to be a place where a person can run to and live in if he or she unintentionally killed somebody. And they could safely live there until their case went on trial. It was a real practical picture of what refuge could be. In fact, the Latin root of the word refuge, now I'm not a Latin expert by any means, so it's going to go up on the screen here. That word right there, okay, that word right there, if you break it down, it means back, flee. So in a sense, to flee back to, to return. Return to what? I like to think in an ultimate sense, it's returning back to the shalom of God. Back in Genesis chapter 2, many of you remember, God created man and woman. There was no sin. There was no conflict. There's no pain, no hurt, no sadness, no suffering. In fact, in Genesis 2.25, it says that Adam and Eve were naked and felt no shame. They felt no shame because there was no sin in the world before wrong entered into our existence. And in an ultimate sense... Refuge points to that. Refuge points to hints of that shalom. Refuge would point to aspects of that peace and characteristics of that rest. And in this life, this life that we live in, in this fallen world, God provides himself as that shalom. Now, being God, that God being our refuge and our strength, that does not... It doesn't mean that he prevents hardship and suffering and trials in our life. The shalom that God makes available to us is a peace in the midst of the storm. And I would say that makes it all the more valuable. A lot of you who know me um, know our story in recent times. Last September, my younger brother Miguel took his life as a result of his secret battle with depression. He would have been 31 years old a few weeks after that. He had, he had his whole life ahead of him. You know, he set out to do some things. He accomplished them. He was successful. He was full of life, it appeared. He was that welcomed center of attention at any gathering that he was a part of. And losing him has been the deepest pain and sorrow my family and I have ever experienced. 
Because of the nature of how he went, it was shocking, it was riveting. I could still remember it like it was yesterday, how, how my mom and my dad called me on the phone on Labor Day morning, and they're like, hey, Paul, are you sitting down? And I knew something was up. I sat down, and I could hear my pop's voice crack. Miguel's gone. And I, I couldn't even hear it. I had to ask him to repeat it several times because I didn't believe it. And I remember moments later just being folded over on the ground on my knees, still on the phone with my parents, crying out to God and praying that he would be near to us. I can still remember it right now. I can hear it. I can hear my mom weeping in the background. Moments later, I remember the sound of my wife, Michelle, wailing uncontrollably when I first told her that Miguel was gone. And I remember holding her and having to almost hold up her whole weight of existence because the news just sucked the life out of her. God didn't prevent any of that from happening. Have I asked him why? Yeah, I asked him why. And God's response, God covered me. He just covered me. He was a shelter in my pain. He was the breath when I felt like I was being relentlessly held underwater. His response that was he became my peace and my shalom in a world that was falling apart. Knowing the why, that wouldn't have helped me in that moment. Knowing the why would never give me peace. I needed a place to run to. I needed cover and I needed safety. I needed refuge. And I needed strength to make it through those moments and the moments to come. And where was I going to find it? I knew I didn't have it in myself. And God says to me, and he says to all of us, he says, you can find that strength in me. God is our refuge and our strength. We find, we find our strength in the Lord. We find it in his presence, in his love, in his light, by meditating on his truth. We find our strength in God. And in the most miraculous way, we find his strength when we're weakest. He says in his word that my strength is made perfect in weakness. And when you sit in that place, for those of us who've been there, you sit in this place and you feel a strengthening happening. Not only like a strength that's like physical and explainable, but this, this unexplainable strength. This strength that's hard to understand and hard to calculate, hard to comprehend. And it's because it's God's strength. Because who can understand, measure, or calculate the immeasurable strength of God? We're talking about the strength of the Holy Spirit within you. 
Romans 8, 11 says it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That's radical. Dead things become alive in the strength of God. We're talking foreign, supernatural, out-of-this-world powerful. That's what's being described here, and that's what's on the table. And in those dark moments, I can remember feeling this foreign, other-than-me type of strength filling me and carrying me in the saddest of times. In the times when the reality of my brother being gone was really a reality, the shock was gone, you know, it was, this is really life now. Fear would creep in. Sometimes sadness would engulf me. And I would cry out to Jesus. And there would be this peace placed within me and then growing inside of me. He would lift my eyes up to the heavens where he rules and reigns. And he would prove to me for real that his nearness was my greatest good. He would cause me to realize in that moment that this God that I've rested my whole life on, he would cause me to realize that he is real. This God that we serve, that we worship, that we dedicate our lives to, he's real. And the faith that he gives us, that he's authored in us to believe in what he says, about himself and us is true. God is our refuge and our strength. And he was so available to me when I ran to him. Eagerly awaiting to cover and protect. The picture in my mind is like the story of the prodigal son. Remember when the prodigal son was just at a distance and the father was like waiting? He was waiting and he just ran after him. I feel like that's God, always ready. He was always ready. Ready to cover me and ready to protect me. To allow me to experience a sense of his shalom in the midst of the darkest time in my life. Always ready to help in times of trouble. This truth should bring great encouragement to the Christian. Always ready. I'm not always ready. I want to be ready. I want to be. I wish to be. I hope to be. But I'm not always ready. And here's a newsflash, guys. You're not always ready. Because always is an absolute strong word. Always. No human is always ready. I know, of, I know of a few guys here at this church who, who appear, I, I love and respect them, and they appear to always be ready. But they would tell me, hey, everybody has an off day, follow. But God is not like us in our limits. I remember back when uh, our kids were super young. Maybe they were both under six years old. And on Saturday mornings, you know, it was super dark still, really dark. Nighttime, I would say. It was still dark. And they would knock on our bedroom door super early. We're hungry. We're bored. Could we eat ice cream? You're like, what? Six in the morning. And my wife and I were so not ready. We're tired from the week, you know, hoping to sleep in past 6 a.m. at least once in the week, you know. And here we have these kids wanting to eat ice cream. 
And so we made this rule. We made this rule. We said, hey, if it's still dark, it's too early. Go back to bed. And that was the rule. And we made this rule partly because we're selfish, but the other part is because we're not ready. We're not ready. We're not always ready. But God is not like that. God's the opposite of that. He's watching you. He's waiting. He's ready to respond to us right now. In the storm that you're in right now, God is waiting for you to cry out to him because he loves you. And that's awesome news. Because what good is a refuge and a strength if it isn't available in the time that you need it? What good is that? You know, you're running for your life. You know, people are after you. And you arrive at this shelter, this this city of refuge, if you will, right? And it isn't open or available to you. What good is that? What good is that? What good is that shelter? Or what good is a strength if it's not available when you need it most? What good is that? You know, I'm thinking about Samson, right? The story of Samson and, and in his lust and his selfishness. He, he told Delilah, hey, the secret to my strength is I've never had my hair cut before. And so when he was taking a nap, she, had, she cut his hair off. And then the Philistines came and, came and they, they came in to, to capture him and bind him. And he got up thinking he was going to go ahead and slay them because he had done it before. And the strength was gone. What good was that strength when it wasn't available to him? beautiful thing is that God is always ready to help in times of trouble. And when God says always, he means always. He's not like us, remember? God is our refuge. God is our strength. And he is always ready to help in times of trouble. So, these are indicatives, right? Remember that word, indicatives? Things that are true things that are so, right? It is true. God is our refuge. God is our strength. It is true. He is always ready to help in times of trouble. And these truths, these indicatives, they free us to live in response to that. So because God is our refuge and God is our strength and he is always ready, what's our response? What's our response? What's our response to these truths? The psalmist packages this up really, really beautifully here in our text. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Because God is our refuge and our strength, our strength, because he is always ready, we can live without fear when life gets crazy. That's that's radical. We can live without fear when life gets crazy. When, when the world is out of sorts, when our world, our little sphere, gets out of sorts, we don't have to live in fear. And we have all been or will be in that place at some point. And think about what the psalmist is describing here. He's talking about catastrophic things, you know, earthquakes, mountains crumbling into the sea. Those are gnarly things. That's what he's saying. He's saying, man, he's talking about things that cause panic. He's talking about things that instill fear into people. And because of the truth of who God is, we are able to live without fear. We are free to live without fear, panic, or anxiety. 
The psalmist gets even a little brave. He gets even a little gangster with this. Like He says, bring it. He says, let the oceans roar and let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Like, that's crazy. He was so convinced of who God is. Jerry Bridges says this in his book, Trusting God. In the arena of adversity, the Scriptures teach us three essential truths about God. Truths we must believe if we are to trust Him in adversity. They are... God is completely sovereign, God has infinite wisdom, and God is perfect in love. God is powerful enough to cause any situation to be. That's sovereign, in control, right? And that's a huge truth that, that, that our psalmist here, he, he, that's what he believes. He's emphasizing that in our text today. God was, you know, he's saying like God could destroy the world, he could cause wars to end. Absolute authority, absolute control, even in the mess. God is sovereign and can cause any situation to happen. And God is wise enough to know what the best situation is. All-knowing. God sees everything. He was there from the beginning, right? So He knows the beginning to the end. He always was and always will be. I, I only know what my finite mind can remember or comprehend, and that's if I have coffee. You know what I mean? It's such a limit. We have such a limit. What do I know about what's good? What do I know what's, what, about what's best? In this third truth, God loves us perfectly to cause the, that best situation, that best situation to happen. Why? Because He perfectly loves us. He perfectly loves us. And He proves that on the cross. And he proves that through numerous scripture passages that speak about his love being perfect and never ending. And because all of these things are in perfect tension, God being completely in control, God knowing what's best, and God having this perfect love for all of us, we can trust him. We can trust him even when it doesn't make sense. Even when the earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea. We can trust him, and we can live this life without fear. And I believe that's what Apostle John is saying in 1 John 4. He says the perfect love casts out all fear. I think that's what he means. Perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because God's in control, and he knows what's best. I didn't agree with how things went down in my life, and I'm not even going to pretend that I know what next year looks like. By God's grace, he has shown some redemptive things in my brother dying. But I'm not even going to pretend to say that, like, I know everything or I understand or, oh, I see God's purpose. I don't know. I still wake up and I still weep. But I can trust God. I can trust God because he has proven to all of us that he loves us. Perfect love casts out all fear. That might be something you guys need to hear this morning. Some of you guys maybe just are riddled with fear based on circumstances, based on what is to come. Maybe you need to hear that. God perfectly loves you. And that perfect love takes away fear. Some of us here this morning are trusting in lesser things to find refuge and rest and peace and joy during the storms of this life. Some of us are finding it in, or looking to lesser things. 
Some of us are trusting in good things, you know. Some of them might even be gifts that God has given us, and we're putting this ultimate weight on them. I mean, I do it all the time. I hear the Holy Spirit say, hey, what are you doing? Turn back. Come back to me. And maybe that's what you guys need to hear this morning. Some of you guys are putting this ultimate weight on an inherently good thing. And you're putting this ultimate weight on it and God's saying like, no, come back. Come back to me. I'm the only one who's ultimate. I'm the one who satisfies. Some of you guys have told me, and you probably have heard this too, you know, well, being in nature is my sanctuary and my refuge, right? I feel God most when I'm, when I'm working out or when I'm exercising or when I'm running and I'm in nature. You know, I hear this a lot. My church is when I'm doing fill in the blank, right? You hear that? And I get that. That's not, you know, there's something real and healing and good about that for sure. And God does give us these gifts because he, he allows us to experience Him in it. Him in it. But let's not get confused and start worshiping the gift instead of worshiping the giver. Right? That's, like a, that's a tension that we, we're going to live in. The gift is only good because of the goodness of the God who gave it. Right? It's only good because God is good and He gave that to us. These gifts, these lesser things should really point us to Jesus. And there is something ultimate in the way God meets us as our refuge. When we run to God for our refuge, there's hope and there's promise in that. I personally, when I'm, when I'm running to Jesus, I'm reminded, he says, Paulo, I'm making all things new. He says, Paulo, this wasn't the original plan. It's not always going to be like this, man. One thing that really ministers to me is when I hear God say, I will wipe away every tear. The curse of sin will be removed and death will finally be defeated. And some of you guys need to run to Jesus for that. Hiking and all that stuff's beautiful, but that's not going to tell you that all the time. In my darkest hours, it didn't matter how much I served or how many vertical feet I hiked in our beautiful coastlands. I needed Jesus. I needed to get at his feet. I needed to be with him in a very intimate kind of way. Dom shared with us the news of our brother Billy and brother Lee. You know, right now as our beloved Billy is like with his family mourning the passing of his dad. They need the closeness and the intimacy of Jesus right now, right? The refuge that only can be found in him. Now, for those of you who know Billy, he's about as outdoorsman as outdoorsmen get. You know what I mean? That guy will go out there and he'll be like, oh, just the place of God. Like he gets really into that space. He sees God. He really is met by the Lord in that space. But I guarantee you right now, He's shepherding himself and his family to the feet of Jesus. That's what he's doing. Paul Tripp writes this. In this world that is groaning, God is protecting our hearts. He is protecting us from us. Our hearts can be so fickle. We can worship God one day only to turn and give the worship of our hearts to something else the next. So in love, 
God lets pieces of the creation die in our hands so that increasingly we are freed from asking earth to give us what only he can give. The lesser things, even the good lesser things, can only bring a taste, an essence of the refuge and rest and shelter that we have in Jesus. These things aren't designed to bring ultimate refuge. Jesus is. And here's the thing. We were never created. We weren't designed to receive ultimate refuge in them. So it's always going to be this disconnect. And when we go through trials and suffering in this life, and we run to our true refuge in Jesus, He ministers to us in an ultimate kind of way. And and He says things like, I'm constant. I'm never changing. I'm immutable. Spurgeon says it this way. The Christian knows no change with regard to God. He may be rich today or poor tomorrow. He may be sickly today and well tomorrow. He may be in happiness today. Tomorrow he may be distressed. But there is no change with regard to his relationship to God. If he loved me yesterday, he loves me today. My unmoving mansion of rest is my blessed Lord. Let prospects be blighted. Let hopes be blasted. Let joy be withered. Let mildews destroy everything. I have lost nothing of what I have in God. He is my strong habitation whereunto I can continually resort. I am a pilgrim in the world, but at home in my God. In the earth I wander, but in God I dwell in quiet habitation. That's powerful. God doesn't change. Him being available, Him being our refuge, Him being ready, He never changes. That's always so. I remember going surfing just to get away and refresh after my brother died. Again, that's not a bad thing, right? I was going and I enjoyed doing that. You know what happened one day? I tore my MCL and my meniscus in the middle of the whole session. It's like, man, we can't get a break. You know what I mean? There goes that outlet and any other physical outlet for that matter. Things change. Circumstances change. What you're able to do changes. But God doesn't change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A refuge and a strength always ready to be that for us in times of trouble. The writer of Hebrews penned an intriguing passage shepherding the early Hebrew Christians as to where to find their rest. It's in Hebrews 4, starting with verse 6. So God's rest is there for people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. 
the author of Hebrews is exhorting these Hebrew Christians that rest, God's shalom, is not found in a day of the week. It's not found in a land flowing with milk and honey. This shalom that God is talking about can only be found in a person, in Jesus. And I would venture to say that God is saying to us today, Reality Ventura, that the rest you're looking for isn't going to be found in a job, in staying busy, or being recognized at something. It's not going to be found in a status or, man, if I only can get this to happen, I'm going to find rest. I believe God's also saying, hey, you're not going to find this rest that I'm preparing for you in just any person. I'm going to have peace when I can get married, when I'm not single anymore. How many times have we heard that? The shalom that God is providing for us, his people, can only be found in the person of Jesus Christ. So what do we do? What do we do? Some of you guys are saying, like, Paulo, these are all intriguing truths. They're powerful. But what do I do with them? What do I do with all of this? I'm in this storm right now. I can't breathe. The future looks daunting. The thought of Monday morning, just, I get anxious. I'm filled with fear. I'm burdened, and I have no peace. And if that's you this morning, I would say, remember what God says to the psalmist in our text. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I am God. I think we get duped into thinking sometimes rest and peace and even maybe joy is going to be a result of us hustling. And there might be some benefit to hustling, but the shalom that God's talking about is only going to be found in Jesus. Psalm 118 says this. When I read it, I was ministered to greatly. I hope it ministers to you. Verse 5, in my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. See that do right there? I prayed to the Lord. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Those are truths. Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. Here's another do. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. That's powerful stuff. I hope for those of you who are in the storm right now, that gives you something to walk away with. So how do we do? We take refuge in Jesus. How? The weird thing about it, the opposite of hustling, it's actually you give up. You surrender, right? Dom asks us a lot of times, let's raise our hands and surrender. Culturally, that's bad. We say, that's wrong. What are you doing? But for the Christian... That's when it begins. 
Jesus tells us in Matthew 11, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. How do we find refuge in Jesus? You come to him, and you take your heavy burden, and you give it to him. You take the yoke that you have, and you give it to him. You surrender it to him. And what he gives you back is an easy yoke to bear and a light burden to carry. Is there something in your life that you desire to find rest or refuge from? Is there something or someone other than Jesus that you have been running to in order to find rest or refuge? Are you, are you looking to your hustle, to your effort to find rest and peace? Jesus is telling us today, come to me. Come to me. You guys who are weary, come to Jesus. You guys who are carrying heavy burdens, you guys who are experiencing heartbreak and loss and disappointment, come to Jesus. Cry out to him, the psalmist said. Let him cover you. Take on his easy yoke and receive his light burden. Come to Jesus. He's safe. He's safe. He is safety. He's humble and he's gentle. Come to Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. That's when everyone gets all nervous. What are you going to do? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put a couple of questions on the screen for us to reflect on and ponder. I mentioned them already earlier. First one, is there something in your life that you desire to find rest or refuge from? If so, what? Second one is, is there something or someone other than Jesus that you are running to in order to find rest or refuge? We'll take a few moments to ponder and answer these questions. I'm going to have the band come up and just sit here and Meditate and ask the Holy Spirit, am I doing this? Am I running to something? Take a few minutes to ponder that. After a few minutes, we're going to have our sister Stephanie come up and share. And as we transition into a time of response to Jesus, I want to encourage you guys to really press in. This is really where I have experienced Jesus being my refuge. When I had the opportunity to respond to what God said in the sermon or just what he was stirring in me, being able to respond to him here on the carpets, to just sit in his presence, to to take communion and be reminded that, man, his body was broken on my behalf, that his blood was poured out on my behalf. Really want to encourage you guys to do this. Don't miss out. God wants to meet. Remember, he's, he's willing. He's ready. He's always ready. We'll do that together as a family.